Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with leader and pioneer Raymond Kemp. He is a highly accomplished leader appointed by President Biden to the American Battle Monuments Commission. He is also the CEO of Kemp Solutions with his extensive experience as a U.S. Navy Fleet Master Chief, certified John Maxwell speaker and coach, RBLP trainer, and Y Institute coach. With unwavering integrity, he maintained the highest level of confidentiality, managed multi-billion dollar budgets and equipment, all while pioneering comprehensive leadership standards covering both personal and professional excellence. He's got a great story. Enjoy. Well, man, it's great to meet you. I appreciate you taking a minute out for the show today. And I want to begin our conversation with the heavy we've lived through, living through a pandemic. How did you get through the last three and a half years and how has it changed you? Um, For me, uh, making my way through that last, this last three and a half years has been uh, a lot about community. And as a uh, service member, you know, serving over three decades, I was accustomed to being around people. I was accustomed to folks you know, asking for help and support. I knew the value of community. However, it was very different during the pandemic because I had just retired. And you know, throughout my career, I had been responsible for people. And after um, that, that, opportunity you know some might call it a burden but after that went away it was literally just me uh children are grown and gone i'm single and so it was uh pretty darn tricky however the guys i play ball with the guy that i play the folks that i played golf with um became you know a pretty intimate community and i'm back in america uh because i retired in, in naples italy and reconnecting with family and other friends Again, that community is what kind of allowed me to make my way through the sunken place, uh, very honestly, because, again, you're recent, just newly becoming single and leaving uh, the Navy that I'd been with for 17 years. I mean, for since I was 17 years old, uh, was tough. And so community um, and faith is really what made, allowed me to make my way uh, out of that uh, that consuming pandemic. You know, since I'm I'm reading Michelle Obama's biography right now, and there was a point there where she was talking about after the whole vortex of being in that eight year whirlwind, and then being in her house with no one home, she explained what it was like and how weird it was. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. man, when you have that much activity going on your whole life, and then all of a sudden, it's like Island. changed. Wow. Yeah, it, and the thing about the Navy and, and being on ships is it's really loud, um, yeah. whether it be the the nuclear power plant which is pretty quiet but if it's it with engineering or catapults going off um the generators you know for electricity heat uh cooling and so forth um pipes and there's always noise whenever it's totally silent everybody's nervous oh yeah so and and then running to their area of responsibility to find out what is wrong and so when i got that silence hit me Joe, let me tell you, it was, it, I wasn't prepared. I, I, yeah. I, I'm a little bit emotional now, but I just wasn't ready for that. Nobody, people told me um, that uh, their perspective on the retirement, but this, I was not prepared for the silence. Yeah. You know, I, w- when the electricity goes out, there's nothing as loud as that silence. <laughs> it's Real. just like, wow. Cause there's so yeah. much ambient noise. And I'm the kind of person that likes to have the Alexa going. I'm a big jazz fan. I got a show. So I'll have, 
the station going and you know miles is in one room coltrane's in another and i'm just following <laughs> sounds <laughs> that's awesome i was just listening to some uh Thelonious monk last night it's so funny you bring that up man monk monk was monk was one of those guys that i think is one of the most misunderstood cats that was ever in that art form in mm -hmm. his level of genius i don't know where his brain was going at the end but he always kept it intact they would talk about how increasingly while he was on tour, when he got older, he said mm -hmm. less, but he was still the same on stage, still wow. banged out the notes, still yeah. was stellar, but he just didn't talk as much when he got older. But man, he always had that musical part in him. It never went away. The The mouse was always going like this inside of him. Right, you know? right, right. That's awesome. <laughs> so, That's awesome. yeah, hmm. it's beautiful. So let me ask you this. At this point in your life, 2024, if you were to be in front of a bunch of third graders at career day, and one of the kids curiously said, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer mm. that child? Uh, now I say to them, I ensure that those who have gone before us are always remembered. And um, I, I say that as a means of reflecting on my position uh, as a commissioner on the American Battle Monuments Commission. Um, our task is to ensure that the time does not dim the glory of the of their deeds. Uh, talking about the fallen who we celebrate overseas. Um, another response I would have for a third grader is, "I'm the one who helps you become the best person that you can be." Because as a leadership coach and a inspirational speaker, my intention is to help others teach, uh, treat each other with dignity and respect. And the way that we become the tide, you know, the, that phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. Well, we're the tide yeah. when we connect together and treat each other well. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream ultimately to grow up and become? You know, that's a tricky response for me. Uh, in the third and fourth grade, I wanted to be the, um, I wanted to be the president. And uh, my, my, my third grade and fourth grade teacher um, I grew up on the west side of Oklahoma City, which is very segregated in the 70s, really, really white side of town. Uh, and they they probably said the most horrific thing that could be said to a third grader wow. uh, and a fourth grader, because back to back years, both of them said, uh, if, I, if I remove the profanity from it, both of them said, you're, you're not going to be anything when you grow up. You're going to be just like your daddy. And you don't even know who that is, do you? And. So though they meant for that to be harmful to me, uh, it, it really just created a, a young mind that said, watch me work. <laughs> and so yeah. um, though my dream at the point at that point wanted to be I wanted to be a um, the president that um, uh, certainly, you know, things happened between then and now. But, but that's the thing about wisdom, though, is that when you look back on your life, it's those negative things that can be just as fueling as an inspiration in your life. Absolutely. Because m more than one occasion there, um, I, I came against the force that was against me. And my thought was, okay, yeah, you might mean this for my bad, but it's going to work out for my good. And yeah. exponentially, things were greater than what others may have said. Yeah. Um, if, if I fast forward, um, maybe... 30 years out of, you know, from that third and fourth grade experience. And I was the Armed Forces Inauguration Committee member for the Navy um, for our 44th president during the 56th inauguration, which was President Barack Obama. Wow. 
and 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 I'm on I got a full page spread in the Daily Oklahoma newspaper. I wish I could have been sitting next to that third and fourth grade teacher yeah. who who when I said I wanted to be the president, I may not have been him, but I was standing right next to him several occasions. And so it it definitely worked out to where the them and many others, you know, spoke harshly against me and it worked out a different way. That had to be overwhelming to be at that moment. The uh, in, you mean with the president? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. to be I mean, there to watch that historical moment, to have that comment said to you, to feel right. this tide of change and hope, and all the things that we hope for in this country. To see that actually happen firsthand, and then with you being working as hard as you did to get to that point, that that tidal wave had to be some kind of emotion. It was exciting, and and there there was definitely a lot of a lot of hope for me, you know, in that moment, because I had already had my own uh, experiences when it came to when it comes down to, um, you know, being you know buried down with you know burdens and accusations or whatever that may have been, you know, those people not realizing that I was a seed that they thought they were burying, but I was actually being planted, was uh, an experience I had already had, and so for me to see him. Um, one of the things I tried to convey um, verbally, but and mostly non-verbally, was if you need anything, I'm here, um, and myself and others uh, are here to you know help propel uh, you forward, um, and not just him as a person, but the ideal of what it of the ideal of the presidency, you know, going to Barack Obama. That's really what that was about. Yeah, uh, it was emo it was emotional. I will I will admit it was very emotional. I, there's a photo. Uh, perhaps I'll have a chance to show it to you another time of my daughter. I, I just my daughter and I just talked about this this morning. We were at the kids inaugural ball and I'm in uniform and she's got she's kind of hanging over my shoulder. We were watching the concert uh, at the inaugural ball and uh, the picture was captured in the New York Post. Oh, wow. And she she was. Uh, Today, just this morning, as I said, we talked about that, and it was a very emotional time. Yeah. I took my son to see um, uh, President Obama when he was on the campaign trail. I think it was September or October of that, that year. Mm -hmm. And just to see, he was just a little, little sliver between the trees. We were up at the World War One monument in Kansas City, and right. my son was, I believe, three and he just, it was too much. But I remember walking out and hearing Barack's voice just boom over Kansas City. And it was like, man, <laughs> it was just so good, dude. Just so good, the whole thing. Um, That's awesome. So let me ask you this. You're obviously highly driven. You touched a little bit on growing up and what your teachers said. But overall, you were obviously very highly driven, very highly motivated. How did that happen? What were the seeds that were put into you to grow into who you are today? Ooh. So I'm the the son of a single mom, um, fierce angel. I mean, she's one of the most fierce people I've ever met uh, in my life. Uh, my grandmother, the two of, and I have you know six aunts, but the two of them in particularly said a couple things. Um, one, my grandmother um, made a comment to me. She said, "Man, you have the ability to observe and pay attention to things like most people your age just don't." Um, and I mean, I told you the, the side of town I went to school on, by the way, it was all Episcopal school. I'm the only black person there. And when I say the only black person, I mean, not the mailman, not the dude in the yard, nobody else, just me, not the janitor, nobody. And so my mother told me, um, you know, look, you're just as smart as they are. 
you just need to to work and prove it. Um, and I, I in 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 elementary school, I didn't really, that I, I never was able to turn that corner. Middle school didn't turn that that corner till I got to high school. Um, and in high school, one of there's this big kerfuffle going on with this new teacher, and everybody was mad about it and trying to get her kicked out and so forth. And uh, some buddies and I went to go meet a um, our, our biology teacher from, I mean, our science teacher from a couple of years before. And when we walked into the room, this guy's name was Mr. Snow. He said, I mean, Noel, he said, hey, man, talking to the other teacher in the classroom with him at lunchtime, he said, Phew. And I thought they were coming here to complain, but Kemp is with him and he doesn't complain. And those three events cast my mind into the, uh, into the, to the state that I just, I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to be able to overcome. Uh, and I don't mean just have grit, you know, anybody can stand in the rain with or without an umbrella. Um, but who can dance in the rain? You know, that that's going to be me. A ball bearing going down a hill is not going to collect any snow. It's not going to get any bigger. It's going to be a ball bearing. But if you take a snowball and you roll it down that hill, it's going to take that friction from that snow and become bigger, perhaps even an avalanche and change uh, the atmosphere. And that was my uh, that was, I think, what poured into me, you know, in the early days. And other things happened, of course, in my life, but they, they kind of built on those things. But those three events, uh, I think, are, are what shaped my mindset to be an overcomer and not someone who's overcome. So who's been a hero for you in your life? Um, you know, when it comes to heroes that I could touch, I just didn't have that. Uh, very, very frankly. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I admire my mom. Uh, she passed away in 1992. Uh, I had a high level of reverence for uh, her memory uh, and for my grandmother. Um, if I was going to label a hero, perhaps my uncle uh, would fall into that category. Uh, super quick story. When I was a kid growing up, we would go visit. Um, I would, I, because it's just me, we'd go over to my cousin's house and spend the summer. And all my aunts would go off to work, but my uncle would be at home with us, you know, boy, get up and go out there and uh, pick up them twigs uh, and then, you know, bring in some baby carrots from the garden. I was like, that's the job I want. Everybody <laughs> else going to work. This dude is here just giving us grief. But, you know, he taught us how to catch crawdads with a string and let him pinch his finger and all that. And uh, then I, re I discovered, okay, oh, he was in the military. Uh, oh, he was a Mumford Point Marine. Oh, wow. And then he, you know, made it to the, the rank of E8 in the Air Force. Oh, wow. That's that's somebody I want to be. And uh, up until the point that he passed away, he was um, an, an inspiration to me. Um, but otherwise, hero-wise, I think, you know, I, you know, cast my eye towards um, Baldwin and, you know, Martin Luther King and the, the those folks that I was told to look at and, and try to emulate. So... Of all the people alive on the planet right now, if you could meet one person that you admire, who would it be? Who would you love to spend time with? Mm, still alive. I, Barack Obama w uh, would be the person I'd like to sit down and have a conversation with for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'd like to chat with Bill Clinton. Um, <laughs> and with I, I wish um, that would be a fun uh, opportunity as well. He, I saw a speech that he gave at the Truman Library back in, oh, it was the early 2000s. I had never seen anything like that in my life, man. When that door, the double doors opened up and he came through and it was like all the particles in the room just changed. 
It was, it was, I've never seen a speech. I've never seen a human command, a group, a crowd like that to see that firsthand. It was wild. Yeah. I can imagine that there was, yeah, I can, I feel you. (laughs) I I feel you. I mean, the, the first, um, the first of a few, not many, but a few exchanges we had was um, pretty intimate, but it was it was a, a high level of confidence. And I thought to myself, that's that's how we and and, I, and I'm, when I say me, especially men, should carry ourselves. I mean, we should carry ourselves with a high level of confidence in who we are, and at the same time, let others know we're in this together. And yeah. that's that was the energy that he conveyed to me. You know, not that you know, that I am somebody type of thing, but really more of um, I'm confident in what I know and I'm going to get what you know and put it with what I know and we are going to be greater. And that that me, not we, uh, I mean, the we, not me, um, energy is what he gave. And so I tried to live that out. And that's a leader. That's a leader right there. When people can do that, you know. Yeah. Um, so, What's the motivation for you every day to wake up? I mean, even in your career in the military, everything that you've done, what has been the ultimate motivator to get you up in the morning to evolve, achieve, overcome, and become who you are today? The the people that are watching and those that I represent. So, you know, I've got um, three girls and a boy. I've got two grandsons, um, granddaughter on the way. Uh, She should be here. She's on time. She'll be here in April. And um, when I think about, those folks uh, who had gone before me and gave me something to look at and aim for, I feel like that's my responsibility. I have got to live my life in such a way where others will be invi- uh, inspired and encouraged to do their level best. Not that they're in competition with me, but whatever their own um, calling is, whatever their own you know goal in life, their why in life uh, would be one that gets them to just be their absolute best. And thankfully, Joe, when I was in the Navy, uh, I had the opportunity to lead people from the fourth day in the Navy till my final day. And during that time, I realized I have a bit of a gift that I can uh, communicate and motivate folks to where they will be willing to you know, push the envelope and go a little harder, a little faster than their imagination uh, really would let them go to. And that's that that wakes me up in the morning because you know, I, I believe we're given a skill and a talent not to sit. We shouldn't be, you know, talent obese. You know, we should give our talent away one way or another. Yeah. So of all of the branches of the services that you could have selected, what what was it about the Navy that made you want to do it? The, so again, from landlocked Oklahoma, it was, it might seem a little odd to join the Navy, but the, the Navy recruiter, he was aggressive and they were able to, um, after I took the test and you know, had the conversations, they were able to get me shipped out almost immediately after high school. So I spent about 30 days as a civilian, uh, before I got sailorized, uh, in the Navy. And very honestly, again, it, he, they were the most interested, uh, of the, of the four, three recruiters that kind of came for me. Uh, the Navy was the top notch. And so they won. You have to have a, an extra special reverence for the ocean after being out there for so long. Let me, let me tell you the, sto- <laughs> the stories I could tell you about the vastness of the ocean and my under, cause I had never, I mean, I had never even been on an airplane before I joined the Navy. And so when I went out to sea, it's a, I'm an aircraft carrier. It's 
So imagine if you pluck up the the if you pluck up the Empire State Building and lay it down in the water, it's about the same size wow. as an aircraft carrier. And so to be out there, five thousand people. And so, and I'm from Oklahoma City, but I wasn't from a dense part of Oklahoma City. So to be yeah. surrounded every day by five thousand or more people, yeah. um, sailors and Marines, it was an interesting experience. But the wow. first time I was on a um, on a on a cod. Uh, which is, it stands for carrier onboard delivery is aircraft. So I'm on that bird flying out to the ship and seeing, you know, from way up in the air, the vastness of the ocean. I was like, oh, and that speck was my <laughs> ship. I was like, gee whiz, I thought yeah. the ship was big. My yeah. gosh, this wow. ocean. That's crazy. So of all, of all of these things that you've done and become and overcome and achieved, what are you the proudest of ultimately? Hmm. That's a very, that's a, I love that question uh, because it really makes me just look internal and say, okay, what's going to be lasting and impactful? Uh, and I say that I'm, I'm most proud of, uh, in my career, I'm most proud of my consistency uh, and I'm most proud of, you know, the illumination, you know, that I laid out for others to follow. Because I mean, I've had my own you know level of success, but what I'm most excited about is those those folks I was able to talk into, you know, bump draft behind me, and yeah. and then move out of the way and then sling them by, so they could become greater. And some of them, I mean, even before I retired, had gone off on a path that was even higher, and and that is what I'm most proud of, laying that framework for others to follow. Uh, and then creating, you know, that bump draft environment so others can sling by. So yeah. at the end of the day, everyone out there has a perception of you. There's all these pockets of people, family, friends, colleagues, everybody. But you run the show. What's ultimately your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, I think I'm a reliable person that is going to uh, provide a uh, measure of confidence to those I'm around. Uh, I know that success to me is finding a better way and sharing it with other people. Um, and challenging the status quo is kind of how I do that. But what I bring, kind of who I am, is a contributor to others and organizations. So if you could get into a time machine and go back in the annals of American history and see one event with your own eyes, where are you going? I would. I, what would be interesting to me would be to go back to a um, go back to a time where there is a, a measure uh, of peace in the world. And so I've heard this story about the Tower of Babel and this amazing warrior by the name of Nimrod. Um, and in that you know, measure of faith, as they were building this tower that, you know, just me, Joe, I'm just one dude, I think they were building that tower so high, not necessarily so they could get to heaven and be with, you know, whatever's up there, but so they can avoid the next flood, my yeah. perspective. Sure. Um, but I would love to be there as the conversations began with why we're going to build this tower, because that measure of unity is something we need to find our way back to. And I'm concerned about the nation. I'm concerned about these grandchildren, my children and grandchildren. Uh, yeah. And I'm concerned that if we don't share that measure of unity, you know, it could be tough. Yeah. Uh, that, so. that would be, I'd like to go back there, especially if I can come back. If I got to go stay, that'd be tough. That's another story. Yeah. I'd go somewhere else. But yeah. if I can, if I can go learn and come back, yeah. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Raymond, if anyone out there wants to learn more about you, reach out. Anything about your world, where can they go? Uh, so, uh, RaymondKemp.com. Uh, on social media, I'm Raymond D. Kemp. That's on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, and on X. And, of course, uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. It'd be a, a pleasure if they would. Right on. Mr. Kemp, this has been wonderful. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the stories, the service, everything. You're wonderful, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. It's been an honor to be here with you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.